This is the Freestyle Way. And welcome back, my friends, to the Freestyle Way podcast. My name is Carl Powley. I'm your host. And in today's episode, I have two wonderful people. The first person is Tony Dam, who, if you've listened to the podcast for a little bit, you know him. He was here with me in season one, and I believe it was episode seven, an episode we titled Transformation. And it was Tony's story of overcoming being sentenced to 10 years in federal prison and coming out on the other end in his words, transformed. Transformed in a way where now he is the head coach at Telegraph CrossFit, a gym that is right down the street from where I live and where I also train, that is owned and founded by Angel Orozco, a fellow coach of mine that I met back in the day at San Francisco CrossFit when we were both working there. And where Tony now is changing lives. He is coaching hundreds of people on a weekly basis, and he's working with all levels, and him himself is specializing in weightlifting, something he is really, really passionate about. And I've seen him not only take other people's lives to the next level, but he continues to take his to the next level. And my other guest is John Marmon. John is someone I met a while back ago, And I can't remember exactly how we met, but it was through fitness and the scene and who reached out to Tony after he listened to the podcast, the episode that we had here on the Freestyle Way and asked Tony if he would be willing to come in to talk to his students who happen to be people who are in county jail here in San Francisco. John is someone who now I've learned is the program manager at Five Keys and he takes care of those transitioning from being in custody to returning back home, back into living what most of us would uh, coin as a quote-unquote normal life, being free. And after John reached out to Tony to ask him to come and speak, Tony immediately texted me and said, Hey, Carl, would you like to come with me? And I said, Of course I would like to come with you. And I didn't really know what I was getting myself into, but I was eager to learn. I feel like this is something that was important to me, especially having a relationship with Tony and wanting to know more about what it's like to be incarcerated and What does our system look like? And who are the people that are behind those walls? And the day we went down to the county jail here in San Francisco, Tony and I jumped in an Uber and we were relatively quiet in the car because he didn't know what to expect. He didn't know what it was going to feel like to go back in as now someone who, what people would call reformed, and as a potential role model for those who are inside. And I was quiet because 
I was a little anxious. I didn't know what to expect, what was really coming. And when we arrived, uh, of course, we went through the whole security protocol, which is pretty strict. And once we got in, John greeted us with a super welcoming smile and uh, showed us around, showed us around their classrooms and their offices, which looked like just regular classrooms. The only difference was that there were no real windows. The windows that were there were kind of frosted, so you couldn't see outside. You were locked in. And John explained a little bit what he does there and how he works with these people who are in custody, incarcerated, uh, transitioning back out into the real world to freedom, and how he works on giving them the tools to be able to succeed. And these tools range from education on how to find employment, recovery if there's some kind of addiction, uh, reuniting them with family, or developing community which is part of uh, Five Keys' mission. And this is something that John is really passionate about. So as he was talking about this, he said, okay, well, now it's time to go talk to the students. And uh, we walked through this corridor, and I remember there were some pretty thick doors that uh, we had to wait for them to open. One opened up. And then as we walked in, it closed behind us. And then another one opened up. And all of a sudden, we were in this pod. And yeah, all of a sudden, we were locked up. The doors closed, these heavy doors closed behind me. And I remember crossing my arms and not really knowing what to do. I was playing it cool, of course. But I didn't know what the protocol was. Could I engage with their students, the inmates? That's what I was thinking, uh, who were wearing the orange jumpsuits. And could I look them in the eye? Could I use their name? All of a sudden, I started questioning the most basic human behavior. And I was so nervous as we walked down these stairs to the pod where the students were sitting in their chairs as if we were about to teach a seminar, that I was walking with my right shoulder against the wall. And I remember John, he walked to the back and Tony walked straight to the front. And I was simply there to support Tony and maybe speak a little bit if I was asked to or to assist Tony in any way I could. And I was so uncomfortable And I remember just standing there uh, looking at Tony and nervously laughing. And there was so much happening inside of me at that moment where I was questioning myself. I was questioning what I was doing there. I was questioning the people who were seated, listening to Tony speak. I was questioning everything that was going on. Why are we locked up here? What is happening? Thankfully, after a little bit of time, I started relaxing and Tony's speech started to take off. And all of a sudden, 
Tony started getting really fired up. And there was a moment where the students really started to connect with him. And you could feel the energy in the room completely change. And Tony, in his very compassionate and kind ways, included me beautifully into his speech and acknowledged why I was there. And he brought me into his community, into his world. And all of a sudden, these doors opened up where I remember looking into the eyes of this kid. He was a kid sitting in the front row wearing glasses and had a hearing aid. And he just had the sweetest eyes. And he was asking questions. And then that led to more questions from other students that were sitting in the classroom. And it dawned on me that these people who I didn't know how to interact with are just that. They're just people like myself made out of the same material with the same emotions. We just come from different backgrounds different upbringings, different circumstances. And the fact that I was scared of that and I didn't know how to engage with that made me leave that pod that they call it, that jail that day, and feel like I had to rethink everything that is my foundation of just being a human being. And I went to meet up with Greg, the person I film with, and we were supposed to go to the gym and film. And I remember picking him up and saying, hey, we're not not going to the gym today. I want to film outside. I need to be outside. And I just had this deep appreciation for what freedom feels like and how we take it for granted and how all we want is to belong on this planet and to feel safe to grow to explore to maybe even contribute one day. As one of the students actually said, to stand firm, stand firm for his wife and for his kid, which we talk about a little bit in this episode. To have a mission, to have values, to have something to believe in. And I just couldn't shake it. And as the days went by, I kept on thinking about this. And I remember asking myself, what am I going to do with this feeling? How am I going to pass this knowledge on? And I realized I don't have the knowledge. 
I don't have the skills. I don't have the tools. I'm a novice when it comes to this. But someone who has the tools is Tony and John. So I went to the gym and I told Tony, man, this thing shook me to the bones. Like I cannot stop thinking about it. And I feel like we need to do a recap on it. We need to get together and talk about this again. And I would like to include John. Do you think John would be willing to be on the podcast? So we asked John and John said, of course, I'll do it. And that's how this episode came about. And I know this is a long intro, but this is a long form podcast. So I just thought I would share. And before we get into this conversation, keep in mind that John and Tony are still trying to figure it out, just like I am. They're just at a higher level. And what I encourage you to do is to appreciate where they are in their own evolutions and how they are talking about being human and how we can create a code of behaviors, ethics, language, that can allow us to connect at a deeper level. Not just with our families and friends and the people we look up to, to our coworkers, but to everyone. I had someone once tell me that those who go to jail or those who live on the street are the underbelly. It's the dark side. Which in reality, when I was in that pod in county jail and I looked into the eyes of kids, they're not the underbelly. They're not dark. They're the brightest light I've ever seen shining. But somehow... Us as a society, we dampen that light. This conversation, my friends, is my attempt of bringing two people that I respect and that have deep experience together To shed some light that maybe, just maybe, after you guys finish listening to this episode, feel like you can carry with you. And maybe one day be able to pass it forward. I don't know what that's going to look like, but I think you will. So all that, my friends, being said just to introduce you to John Marmon and Tony Dam here on the Freestyle Way podcast. Enjoy it. Nice. 
Not as far as I'm concerned, no. Everything goes. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Well, we're on now, and might as well just go for it. Welcome, guys. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's so awesome. us. Us. So Tony's been on the podcast before. Yes, sir. Um, When was that? That was in June. So we've been going on, uh, this is going to be the ninth month before we spoke to each other. So we're going on nine months. Yeah, and how was the response after you were on the podcast? A lot of positive, um, a lot of encouragement. Um, Very grateful for everybody that came and messaged me and let me know how they felt, how I have inspired them. And I'm just so grateful for all the positive feedback from everybody. Yeah, which is uh, one of one of the things that happened was that you, John, actually reached out to him, right? Yeah. So can yeah. you can you tell us that story? How how did that happen? Um, so I've known Tony for a couple years through CrossFit weightlifting, um, and I knew just a bit about his story. Um, but he posted uh, the podcast on on Instagram, um, and so it led me to your podcast, Freestyle connection um and i listened to a story um and through my work um i thought it would be great if tony could come in and present to the young men and general we'll call them gentlemen that i work with yeah yeah and and, and what is it you do exactly um so i work for a nonprofit. Uh, it's called five keys schools and uh five keys schools and programs um Myself, I'm a uh, therapist slash case manager inside of San Francisco's county jails. Um, there's three locations for the county jails in San Francisco. Uh, 425 7th Street, uh, that's county jail number two. Uh, county jail number four is at 850 Bryant, the big courthouse where everyone goes and pays their tickets. And then uh, San Francisco owns land, of course, all over the Bay Area. Uh, but they own land in San Bruno County, which uh, is... Uh, the largest facility that they have here, uh, County Jail Number Five, out in San Bruno, um, and so I work at all the facilities as a case manager slash therapist, uh, which I went to school for, um, and so I'm, I'm working with guys and young women who are in custody, locked up, incarcerated, um, waiting to be transferred to a state penitentiary, a federal penitentiary, um, or just spinning their wheels and waiting for time to pass. Yeah, uh, and and which is incredible that, that that connection was made through the podcast, which if I could have planned that, that would have been amazing. And the fact that it happened was incredible. And, and the reason I wanted to have both of you guys on the podcast was because when you invited Tony to come and speak and Tony asked if I could come, I was like, oh man, yeah, I, I really want to do this. But I didn't really know what we were getting ourselves into. yeah. yeah. And uh, when we went down and uh, you were showing us around a little bit, you were showing us the offices and you, you kind of talked about uh, the classroom and all this stuff. And then all of a sudden we walked into the pod and the, the, that thick door closed behind us. I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> okay, so we're, we're actually in jail. Yep. And then, um, then I realized uh, that I didn't know how to interact with the inmates. Yeah. Do you call them inmates? No. What do no. you call them? Um, I personally call them students mm-hmm. um, um, or clients. Um, we have five keys. We don't like to use the term inmates. Um, we like to call them students because uh, they're learning. 
when they're working with us uh, through five keys, they're always students. Um, and then through the work uh, that I do, naturally, they're called clients or consumers, um, patients, whatever you want to call them. But uh, students or clients are, are what I call the folks that I work with. That's wonderful. And, 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 I, and I, I, I like that a lot because uh, one of the, the, the takeaways was that these people are human they just like me exactly. and and the fact that i didn't know if i was uh, i was allowed quote unquote to shake their hand or should i look them in the eye mm-hmm. I, all of a sudden i was questioning the most basic behaviors yeah. and i felt embarrassed ashamed of myself for not knowing how to do that yeah. and that's kind of why i'm here i want to i want to learn more you know i've i've learned through Tony about his experience, which uh, whoever's listening right now, if you haven't heard Tony's episode, it's in season one. It's called Transformation, where uh, Tony lays it all out. And uh, it was a beautiful conversation we had. Um, but yeah, I, I just want to be educated. Yeah. And and I want to learn more about this because when when Tony started speaking, uh, at first he he started kind of slow when you were giving your talk, right? Yeah. 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 W- yeah. Were you were you nervous? Not so much of nervous because I lived eight years of my life with these type of people. I'm around with like we were known as inmates. We were known as whatever inmate number was. Nobody knew us by our name, so I was so used to this. And I was not surprised. So my goal was, okay, how can I introduce myself and how can I empathize with these guys so they could put themselves inside of my shoes where I was and where they are? So I knew how to caught their attention. But the question was, how do I keep it? Mm-hmm. it we only want to listen for five minutes. Then we days off. So when you say we, you mean as as someone who is uh, incarcerated, yeah, yeah. Uh, you, you're only going to listen to these people coming in to speak to you for five minutes, and then you're just going to kind of doze off or yeah. think about something else. Yeah, most likely, um, yes. But you kept their attention the whole way through, all the way. Yeah. Tony, Tony had their attention the entire time he was there. I kid you not. Was what we experienced that day, uh, so so something that uh, I, I want to make, make clear is that Tony started kind of just talking about his past, g- getting in there a little bit, and then eventually he got fired up. Yeah. And he started um, talking about things that were relatable, uh, and he started saying, do you still want to be in here smelling someone's feet? Do you want to have to put on these dirty-ass flip-flops yep. to go and take a shower? Do you want to eat this dirty sandwich? Yeah. Do you want to have one warm meal a day and then two cold ones? Mm-hmm. Uh, and they were clapping yeah. and cheering you on. And I, I I mean, I get goosebumps just now thinking about it. But was what we experienced that day, is that the norm when people come in to speak? To be honest, it's not. Um, and I think what it is is the guys, the guys that we work with or that I work with in custody um, – they're tired of hearing it from someone who hasn't lived their life, who hasn't experienced what they experience, um, who doesn't know the real truth um, of being behind a lock bar or a lock door, I'm sorry, or bars um, um, and not treated like human. 
you are a number. Um, and so when Tony came in and he gave them this story, um, it was real. Um, it was um, authentic. Um, and it had buildup. And the guys, they appreciated that. They appreciated that he gave 100% of him, himself. Um, and you could see it in Tony. You could see it in the guys. You could see it in, 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 in me and the staff that were in the housing unit, in the pod. Um, everyone was held captive the entire time. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, I was, I, I couldn't stop thinking about, when I when I left that day after your your speech and connecting with your students, John, I could not stop thinking about it. And uh, I had been in a little bit of a funk and I had to film some stuff for, for work and I, and I told the guy that I filmed with, Greg, I said, let's go outside. And he's like, outside? We have to film? I was like, no, man, we need to be outside mm-hmm. today. Yeah. And we went and filmed everything outside. And I was in such appreciation of this concept of freedom yeah. that we take for granted. Yeah. Because after being in that pod with uh, your students uh, and realizing they don't see sunlight in here. No. The light is always the same. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They have someone looking at them all the time. Yep. Not to mention it's recycled air. Yep. <laughs> it's not fresh air. So for those listening, imagine sitting on an airplane day in and day yep, out. Exactly. For how, how many days are they in there? Because those students are in a little bit of a different spot, yeah, right? Yeah. Um, so you can have... Uh, you can work with students who have been um, sentenced to county jail, meaning you serve out your your time in the county jail from uh, two weeks to, you know, three, four, five, six unknown amount of years. Uh, you could be awaiting trial, meaning you're just sitting, um, going to court um, and waiting for the judge to sentence you. Um, or you could be um, waiting to be transferred to a state penitentiary or a federal penitentiary. Um, and that could happen at any moment, any given moment. We were, we were sitting there and some, and it happened in front of us. Yeah. Uh, he, he all, all of a sudden the deputy, I think just flashed a light on one of the guys sitting Mm -hmm. up on front and then he was called away and, and he let, he, he all of a sudden just waved the group away with his little bag, which had a, a book, and maybe a notebook, yeah. and that was it. Yeah, yeah. And it happens. It happens. Uh, I wouldn't say it happens every day, um, but it happens uh, regularly um, where yeah. guys are, are uh, either released, thank goodness, or they're transferred to another facility. Um, and it can happen at the drop of a dime. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's incredible. And Tony, what was coming up for you when we were there that day? What, what was the experience like when the, the doors shut behind us and we walked into the pod? Psychologically, the most messed up part is probably was, hey, I'm used to this. Hmm. When we walked back then and I'm like, hey, I'm home. Hmm. Even though being released for about coming up on four years, but this is something I'm familiar with. Hmm. The whole system. Um seeing the correction officers sitting there, seeing all each individual in their bunk beds. The only difference is we didn't have bunk beds in prison. Uh, we have a cell that you share with two people, one restroom inside. So how county jail was, I, I just remember it, being in Los Angeles, being at Supermax. So I'm like, oh, it's home. 
you know. So I know how to communicate with every single person, and I'm like, damn, it's so messed up. Like the feeling inside, I'm like, Tony, you're not home. This is not home. This is not home. You're out. You're free. You're really home outside, and it's just being institutionalized and being still institutionalized till this day mentally. Living inside a prison that's in my mind, where I need to be told what to do, or being just like command, like Tony, you need to go do this, go do that, and just living a routine every day, waking up the same time, eating the same food, nothing changes. And the problem was, is I'm still living in prison outside, but it's in my mind. And every day, I'm trying to like be very mindful and tell myself, Tony, you're free. You're a free man. Go live your life. Go live your life. And sometimes I need a reminder, you know. And I was in the worst funk in my life、um, before we came to talk to John and speaking to these gentlemen. And Angel and I had this talk where everybody noticed it. I'm sad. I'm always pissed off. I'm always angry. And I couldn't figure it out until Angel pulled me to the side and. Angel is my boss, and kind of from、uh, Telegraph CrossFit, where he's a very, very close individual that's in my life, that's like a mentor to me. And he he just asked me one day, like, "Dude, what's going on? You're been disconnect. You cut yourself off from the world, and you're either at home or you're in here working out and just gone. You're not mentally here no more. You're emotionally, physically, spiritually, you're gone." And him and I went back and forth and argue. From his wife, like trying to figure this out, and I was like, "Oh wow!" The things that were I was saying to him was, "I wake up at the same time, I do my work, get done, go home, go to sleep, wake up, do it again, train, workout two, three times a day, boom, boom, boom." And I was like, "Shit, I'm in prison. I wake up at the same time every day at five in the morning, go eat my breakfast, go to work, work out, go home, sleep, come back to work, work some more." Work out, go home, eat dinner, sleep. That's why they're in prison、mm-hmm. every single day. And if someone doesn't tell me how to do my job, guess what? I don't know what I'm doing with my life.、Mm-hmm. If someone doesn't tell me how to live my life, I don't know how to live my life.、Mm-hmm. And it's just the process of me going through it from doing time for eight years and going through that process of always being told what to do. So. I'm very grateful for my freedom, because no one could tell me to do anything besides myself. So, seeing those guys in there telling myself, "Dude, you're not at home," it just breaks my heart, you know. And I didn't even come in there with a plan of what to say, because I remember you and I were talking, Carl, about, "Hey, Tony, do you know what you're going to talk about?" <laughs> I was like, "Shit, I'm just going to go raw. I'm going to go with what I feel and what's coming in my mind, and、I'll、just do it." And it came out more better than we expected.、Mm-hmm. I didn't know what I was going to say. I was like, you know what? Just go with it. Let's roll. Yeah, you were, you know, off the cuff, but、uh, it was, it was very. You had a clear path, which was to connect with them.、Mm-hmm. And sometimes connecting with people does it doesn't exist in a manual. These these are human skills that、uh, are not really taught in the books.、Yeah. This is something that we we practice、uh, with family and friends and our communities and and、uh, you know as as as、uh, Tony was speaking here, I saw you nodding.、Yeah. What was coming up for you as he he was saying this?、Um, 
the vicious cycle that we all get caught in um, is almost like a prison where we are doing um, what's expected or what we um, think we're supposed to do. Wake up, eat, go to work, come home, clean, eat, wake up, eat, go to work, clean, eat, sleep. And and it's a vicious cycle that we all get caught in because we think we're supposed to do. Like it sounds like discipline. Yeah. But in reality, there's something that's off there. Yeah. Yeah. And um, it, it is prison. It's a prison of the mind. It's a prison of the soul. It's a prison of the body. Um, uh, I, I believe myself here um, that we are free spirits, um, that we have free will, um, that we are allowed to do as much as we can in the time that we have. Um, and uh, being trapped in a prison isn't for anyone. Um, it isn't for any soul. Um, and I think um, when we go out and we search and we look for what makes us unique, um, it'll free our spirit from the prison that we're trapped in, Um, whether that's reading a book, working out, riding a bike, heading to the beach, um, meditating, um, whatever it is. I I believe when we find that, then we're free Mm -hmm. and we're out of this prison. Mm -hmm. You know, I, Another thing that uh, caught my attention and I couldn't stop thinking about was there was one of your students, he was sitting right up front. He, he had a hearing aid and he had glasses uh, and he was looking at me with the sweetest eyes, hmm. you know, like yeah. the sweetest eyes. Yeah. And I was like, why was I so scared as I was walking down those stairs co- to connect with these individuals? Yeah. What was I so scared of? <laughs> You know, and and I'm just wondering, like, what is it we're scared of as a society when it comes to um, people who may be behaving and acting and uh, living their life in a certain way that um, that maybe is not fully aligned or uh, what matches our standard? What is it we're so afraid of? Uh, either one of you, what, what do you think that is? For me, honestly, the only thing why I'm so afraid of it is growing up and being in the system is you're told that you're a bad person. You were told that you're worth nothing in life. You were told nobody will want to help or listen to you. Um, we're so used to of, of everybody looking down on us. We're so used to like, no one wants to hire a felon. No one wants to hire a gangbanger. No one wants to hire a drug dealer a prostitute. No one wants to hire us in general because we were known as the scum of the world. So when you come with that mentality and that belief, you're scared of just talking to anyone like you, Carl. Like, we're scared because you're going to look down on us and we're going to be like, man, fuck Carl. Mm -hmm. We're going to prove you that we're better than you either by robbing you or finding a way to make more money than you by selling drugs or something else. It's something to prove to you and to prove to ourselves that we're worth something, even if it's committing a crime. So with us, with that type of belief, of course, negative outcomes going to come out. Mm-hmm. That's why it's so hard for all of us to really connect is because we think you're on a higher level than us sometimes. Which is so interesting because when I was walking in there, I saw myself as inferior. Mm. 
immediately. And I didn't know how to behave and how can I exercise compassion. I just didn't know. And I intellectually could process it, but emotionally, it took me... 30 minutes to kind of get into it. I don't know if you noticed when I walked in, I was like standing by the wall. Yeah. I'm like, where, where do I go? Where do I stand? Do I stand in that corner? I have never felt so uncomfortable yeah. in my life. Yeah. But they, the students, mm-hmm. welcomed me in just by their look yeah. and through Tony's story. And it's it's interesting. What do you think we're so scared of? Um, when, when let's say we're talking about people who are in prison or have have uh, done things, have had behaviors that are maybe challenging. What yeah. is it we're so scared of? Um, I think it's the it's the difference. It's what um, it's what society sees as um, an outlier, an outcast, the leper. Um, mm. We're 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 so afraid. Um, to talk about mental health. We're so afraid to talk um, about um, what is going on organically for someone um, that's not physical. Um, um, And most of the time, um, that's what it is for these folks, these students that I work with. There's an underlying mental trauma that they've experienced um, that has caused them to live a life different than what we would see from someone quote unquote normal on the street. Um, and so they become prisoners, um, not only, uh, in their mind, but physically and spiritually locked in this place 24 seven for God knows how long. Um, and, and so I think what it is, is we're afraid to, um, we're afraid to look at the difference. Um, we're afraid to, um, take the step and look at a person for their humanity rather than just what they've done, what they've experienced, where they've been, and where they're going. We can't look at a person for their humanity, um, which I think all humanity just wants to survive. Mm-hmm. They just want to live. Yeah, and that was clear in their eyes. And and one of the things that I was uh, questioning was, okay, w- what got you here? And when I left, in the back of my head, I felt like, uh, I'm just throwing out a number, but 90% of those who were sitting there, the students, got there because of their circumstances, mm-hmm. not because of their intentions. Yeah. Is that true or is that something I just made up right now? Um, it goes back to what Tony was saying, man, about um, being institutionalized from a kid, uh, from from birth. Um I believe there's there's so many disadvantages here, uh, not only in the United States, but ju- just in the world um, that people experience and um, folks are trying to catch up, which is great. Um, I, I think everyone needs to catch up. I think everyone needs to recognize the value that every human being has. Um, um, but I, I think, yeah, a majority of the students that we work with, that I work with, I'm sorry, um, they come from a disadvantage, um, whether it's um, financially, um, health, um, family, um, community. Um, they're at a disadvantage, and um, it's evident. It's very clear. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it was it was crystal clear. Like when one of, another thing that stood out for me was 
when I said, hey, is there anyone here who has a philosophy? And then all of a sudden everyone was silent. And then Tony's like, a code of honor. Do you have a code of honor? And everyone's like, yeah, we do. Everyone had a code of honor. Yeah. And one of the guys uh, in the back, young yeah. guy, was like, to stand firm. Yeah. I think his name was Danny. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And he wanted to stand firm for what he uh, uh, called his baby mama and his, his kid. Mm-hmm. And I just found that so powerful. And the fact that he could articulate that in that moment made me connect with him and allowed me to cut through all the bullshit. Yeah. All the worry that you had when you first walked in. Exactly. (laughs) It it all went away. This is what you love and care about the most. If, if, if that's it, then we can all connect. Yeah. But one of the th- things that I noticed that came up after that was that um, he was saying, uh, I think it was about the book, because uh, they asked me about the book, mm-hmm. uh, and, and what does that look like to write a book? And he's like, oh, man, I can't speak it like this, the way I speak. I'm like, yes, yeah. you can. You should. You should use your voice. Yeah. And I think he was almost taken aback, because it seems like, the world is telling him that his voice, the way it is right now, is not heard. Yeah, yeah. That broke me. It happens. Um, yeah. And you you hear it not only from the men in there, but the women in the facility. And you see it on the streets. You mm-hmm. see it on the streets. Um, the way people are told to um, suppress who they are. Um watch how they speak, watch how they walk, watch where they walk. Um, and I understand there, there's rules and there's regulations and there are laws in place. Um, but when you're afraid to write a book um, or make a song or write a poem in your own tongue, your own language, there's something wrong with that. Um, and I think it needs to be addressed. And, and that's the work that I do. Um, I try to give these guys and girls a voice, these students a voice um, through the work that I do with them individually through therapy um, and helping them recognize that voice and helping them work through whatever they've experienced. Um, And then as a group, um, helping them come together as one and say, we deserve this. We deserve that. Um, We don't like this. We don't like that. Um, and that's the work that I do with in, in myself and with my coworkers. We're trying to empower these folks um, to to get out of jail with a purpose, um, with motivation, with drive, um, ready to take on all the bullshit that they're going to experience. Because like Tony talked about, there's people out there who are going to look down on them. There's people who, who are out out there who are going to disrespect them um, because of where they've been, because of who they are, because of what they look like, because of where they live. Um, I Earlier when Tony was talking again, um, he said us. He said us multiple times. He didn't say these prisoners, these ex-cons, these inmates. Um, he said us. And I think... I. And correct me if I'm ta- I'm wrong, Tony, but I think you said us because you've lived it and and you continue living it, like you talked about earlier, being in this um, psychological jail um, because you've been there. Um, and I and I think that's what make 
makes these guys and women who have experienced being incarcerated um, a strong unit because the mentality, although it's, it, although it's, it's there, the mentality doesn't change it. Look, I was in prison. I was in jail and I'm still in jail and I still got my homies behind me who have been in jail and we can change the world just like a group of men can change the world, just like a group of women can change the world, just like everyone can change the world. Um, and I heard that earlier from Tony when he said us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You're right. <clears throat> um, it's it, it's pretty cool that how you caught that, you know? It's, it makes me think because, like, I forgot what's the word, when you really don't think what you're saying. But unconsciously. Unconsciously, mm-hmm. myself always calling us because... The students and I have been in the same background, mm-hmm. you know, having them raise their hands like who's been here this long, this long, this long, who's been here longest, who's been in and out. And our recidivism rate is so high in America that 75 percent of us that are in prison Four out of four people, four people, three of us will come back mm-hmm. and. It always happens, mm-hmm. no matter what. Yeah. And we're always trying to find ways to re-enter society. Um, the government is, is always trying to find ways, but nobody really are looking for ways. They're looking how can we cheaply find a way to re-enter them in society versus how can we really educate them and re-enter society. Because the one thing I told them was, our biggest struggle as one is we don't know how to identify what we are feeling. We do not know what we are feeling, but we know how to communicate what we're feeling, but not actually identify it. Hmm. Hmm. And that's why I had you come in, Carl, because you made me realize nonviolent communication. Hmm. You gave me strength and education of how to opinionate my voice towards either my boss or my loved one, my family, or anyone that I come in contact with, even my clientele to my athletes at the gym. reason why people love me is because they say, I just know how to talk to them. And that gives me power, and that's why I told all those guys, all those students in there, hey, I struggle with feelings. Who here else struggle with feelings? Mostly everybody is in there. And we want help. When you ask who here needs help of this and that, and uh, one of the ladies upstairs was saying, I do. I ask for help. Mm. I'm never heard. Mm. I'm always turned away. And that's the fact that most of us come asking for help we get turned away. Nobody really wants to listen. People say they do, but intentionally, nobody really does because we're nothing but a liar to them. And so just going off of that, it made me think, the reason I, I, I got into uh, working inside the county jails was a uh, personal experience. Um, my brother, we're 11 months apart to the day. Um, I think 11 months and one day apart. Um, he's had his troubles, um, with going in and out of jail, the recidivism, 
Um, nothing serious, uh, nothing to land him any big time, but he's had his trouble of going in and out of San Francisco's county jails. Um, and, and every time he came home, like Tony was just talking about, um, he'd be good for two weeks, two months, six months, nine months, and then flip of the switch and he's back in custody. He's back in jail. Um, and, uh, I was working with kids at the time and I was loving it and I love working with kids, but I just saw my brother struggling. And so I said, what's missing? What's missing? And I, and I asked them, I said, what do you need? Like, what do you need for when you are in jail, ready to get out, coming home and then continuing to stay out? Like, what do you need? Um, and he said, I need someone on the outside. I need Mm -hmm. someone to follow through on the outside. Um, and and um, so I um, I could have went and I could have done the, the work outside. I could have worked, um, you know, with all the agencies that do work outside. Um, but I wanted to get inside and I wanted to start um, there. Um, so I went to Five Keys. Um, I'm at Five Keys now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, uh, so I, I, I'm at Five Keys and the work we do is uh, we call it reentry. Um, so the pod you guys came into is the reentry pod for San Francisco's county jails. It's a collaborative partnership between the sheriff's department, uh, five keys, and then San Francisco adult probation. Mm. Um, so it's it's for folks who are ready to um, get out. They have a release date. They call it a TX date. Um, ready to get out of custody um, and be connected to services, um, case management, therapy, rehabilitation programs um if you need a bus ticket back home to alabama we can help with that right so we do these reentry services um and i found that part to be um the best part because we're connecting with this these folks um on the most basic level of compassion and human nature what do you need Tell me what you need. And if you don't know what you need, then I'm going to sit with you your entire time here every day, every other day. And we're going to identify and we're going to figure out what do you need? How can I help you? What's missing in your life? And uh, the last thing is um, we do our best, um, our damned best to make sure the person when they're getting out is connected to a post-release case management agency, a therapist, a rehabilitation program. We do our best to make sure that everyone who leaves that pod is connected. Um, and that's, that, that to me is the best part of the work we do because, again, my brother is struggling with this right now. My brother is struggling right with this right now. And Deshaun, if you ever hear this podcast, I do this work for you to help to bring a difference to the life that you've experienced and to all the guys and girls who have experienced the same thing you're going through. And so that's, that's the reason I do the work is because I'm in there and I want to make a difference because it's so close to my heart. Um, I admire that. And I believe there can, there, I believe there is a difference to be made. Yeah. It's a no-brainer. It's a no-brainer. And 
I guess it's when you get closer to the fire where you can really feel it. And I got to feel it, and I'm so grateful. I, I, I felt like I won the lottery. <laughs> that, that's what I felt. Like I felt when I left that day like I won the lottery. That, it was incredible. And I've heard you speak of it. I've, I've heard about this. You see it on the news. People kind of talk about it. But we live in this bubble where right now we're sitting in this beautiful apartment in San Francisco. It's sunny out. Everyone's walking their dog, uh, you know, buying overpriced weed down, (laughs) you know, at the harvest down here, (laughs) you know. And then on right around the corner. Yeah. It's happening. Yeah. And we are so oblivious. And it is one of my biggest fears is to be an ignorant. Hmm. I feel like an ignorant when it comes to understanding the full scope of humanity. Hmm. So I'm just, you know, fascinated by the work that you're doing and and the fact that you were able to speak it from the heart and from something that comes so close to you, which is family, I think is really powerful. And, uh, what's really interesting is that, uh, you know, Tony and I, have, we, we haven't known each other for that long. It's two and a half years, maybe three at the most now. But I consider you a very close friend where uh, we have an intimate relationship. And it's because you, you were able to connect with me at an emotional level from day one. What is it that you think, Tony... Um, and then I would like to hear from you on this, John, mm-hmm. that that allowed you to successfully transition out, um, mm. Tony. And, and and I know that you, you continue to struggle. Yeah. And you've even felt mentally imprisoned. But you're doing the work. Mm. What What do you think it is that you had or continue to have right now that you're fully free? Uh, that's allowed you to find uh, success, if w- we can call it that. I guess when I was in there, I was very tired of disappointing my mom. I was tired of disappointing myself. I was just tired of life, you know, from suicidal backgrounds of like thinking about killing myself many times when I was younger growing up to being tired of people telling me, Tony, you're worth nothing. While in there, I joined a group called Men of Influence where I was with this person named Stanley Prince, great individual from St. Louis, big killing machine, right? But soft, very soft heart. He doesn't, doesn't mind crying in front of you. And joining this program when I was reentering society before I was released, he gave me the power to be vulnerable. He gave me the power of just being myself, being able to cry. I wrote a letter of he 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 basically wanted us to write a homework where what is it that you guys can tell me about yourself? Or what is it that you're sorry about? What is it that that's inside of you that you want to free? And I just wrote a long paragraph 
of a whole page of I just want forgiveness in life. You know, I just want to be forgiven for everything I have caused to my victims, for everything I caused towards my family, to people around me of the state of Los Angeles or California, how I have, to, I have victimized their kids, um, just to every individual. And I just wanted for forgiveness in my life because I wasn't able to forgive myself for so long for what I've done, people I've terrorized and things like that. And I cried in front of like 30 straight killers that are like in there doing hard time and just broke down. And then having uh, Stanley just standing there crying with me, mm-hmm. it really, really made me think about what am I feeling? What is it that's going on? Where I was like, you know what? It's time to reach out to people. Um, from being in prison, I wrote the halfway house. I wrote to the goodwill. I wrote to any reentering society in San Francisco, just saying, even though I won't be released for two years, I'm like, hey, my name is Tony. And I want to let you know that I'm in San Francisco. And I want you guys to know that I'm coming to you guys. Um, if you're going to reply or not, cool. If you don't, cool. But I'm going to be in front of your door. Guess what? I'm in front of your door the day I was released. Um, at the halfway house, they don't give you much besides, hey, you go here, there, there, there. Just go find a job if you want to go work and make money because you got to pay rent or you got a program. Program is like going to school, things like that, not making money. Just keep yourself busy so you don't get in trouble. So mm, That's a big one, huh? Yeah. So I just went straight to every place I could think of like, hey, I just came out of prison. How can I be better? So continuously every day I'm seeking, like, how can I be better? And the crazy part is, I guess, when I know the odds are against me, I want to be better. I want to shine. And I enter reentry program where you have to stay drug free. I was being a UA mean drug test through urinal analysis three times a week. Um, finding a job, keeping a job, going into a reentry program in Hunters Point. I live on Third and Hudson by being um, working a nonprofit restaurant called Huli Huli. Um, travel, fighting everything, going through all this crazy stuff. And when the year was up, where I was drug free, the whole district attorney, probation officer, judges, and the federal law saw me. Dude, this guy is for real. That's when I invite you because they wanted to take me off probation early. Remember that day? Mm-hmm. And yeah, that happened after we spoke, which yeah. you were still. I was still on probation. Yeah, you were on probation still. And when you and I went last year together, when we went down to court. Yep. Yep. And I want you there, like, hey, you know me best, Carl. And I want Angel there because he's like family and Tamara. They know me best. Uh, my fiance was at work. So we, as three people, went down there together. What really tripped me out was you were really fired up. You were ready. And you were listening to every single word they're saying. I was ready to speak if that's <laughs> what, because that was pot- potentially I was going to speak. And, and, and so was Angel. Uh, you were fired up. I was ready to go. <laughs> this judge 
because since I was transferred from Los Angeles to San Francisco, has no idea who I am mm. besides what he reads on paper. Gangbanger, active, sold drugs, did drugs, did this, did that. And that's all he knew about me. Yeah. He didn't know who I was as a person. Yeah, exactly. So everybody else knew who I was as a person. And he did not want to take me off probation. Um, the DA did not want to give me get me off of probation. But my public defender, she wants me to get off probation because she's like, look at him. He's doing this, this, and that. The reason why he doesn't want to be on probation no more is he can't travel because um, 2018, that's when I won uh, free open tickets to go see Annie Thorstar. If you're listening, hi. Right, I'm right. your biggest fan. <laughs> <laughs> I won the lotto to you go did. see her in you regionals. Did. And I couldn't go because I was on probation and this and that. And I was scared if I go rent any place I live, by law, I have to let them know mm. I'm on probation. Every, every move you make is recorded. I have to let them know. Yeah. And I carry this card. I still have it at home where it says, Tony Dam, I am basically federal law's property. Mm. It says my name, my case number, my inmate number. Anywhere I go get pulled over, I have to pull, show them this card. Wow. By law, or I'll be in trouble. So that's slavery. Yeah, yeah. It, that's that's it's that's mo- yes, mo- mo- modern, slavery. modern slavery. So yeah. that's why I was telling people, I was like, dude, the government owns me at this time. Um, going through that, so we were in court. Fast forward, they didn't want to let me off. Um, they're like, look, we give Mister Down the most lenient way, where he's barely even getting drug tests anymore. How do we know he's clean or dirty? Um, we're so lean on him. If he needs to be travel. He could put a request, and we'll approve it the same day for him if we need to. But by law, I think we should keep him because it'll be good for him. Yeah, and and, 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 and my experience as an observer there, I was sitting there in the back uh, looking in, and what what they were presenting, so it was United States versus Tony, Tony Dam. Yeah. The stats were stacked against you. Hmm. And your attorney was... Uh, coming at it from a mental health perspective, and he was being shut down. Mental health was not yeah. was not included yeah. at all, and they would not even acknowledge mental health as a condition or mm-hmm. even um, uh, something that was actually working in your favor. Yeah, because you had worked, you had started putting in the work. You, you didn't, hadn't just done it on paper in terms of getting a job, being consistent, and going above and beyond. But in terms of the emotional development, you had done that work as well. And you're, you continue to do it. Hmm. But they were not hearing that. No. And, but somewhere, you managed to tug uh, on the right, right, right strings. And, and your attorney was awesome. She was yeah, Candace, she was the greatest. Phenomenal. What, what did she do? Do you remember what she did? To, so, first she's like, hey, we have uh, two people here that would like to speak on Tony's behalf. And that's when she asked the judge, would you like to hear from them? And you were getting ready to stand up. He's like, no, I don't need to hear from them. And you're like, oh, snap. I just got shut down. And I'm thinking <laughs> to myself, I'm like, shit. I'm just listening because the one thing that a lot of people don't understand, that's why I told all the student was were statistics. Mm. We only fall, we, they only look at statistics. Okay, if this person comes out, statistically, this is how they'll have the chance of coming back, right? That's all they look at, numbers, numbers, numbers. And 
the judge is like, uh, Candace, what has, what has he done that needs to be done more? He done everything on paper, but probation would be so great for him because he's almost done. He's the reason why he's doing good because he's on probation. How long were you on probation or were you supposed so to? So I was supposed to be on it for five years okay. upon my release. So I would have been released off of probation this year. Mm. Um, during that time, they wanted to give me 16 months off early because they're like, dude, there's no need for him. We're wasting money. Mm. We're wasting resources resources yeah. on him for no reason. Yeah. So he's like, look, he did everything in his power and above and beyond. He's going out there. He's trying to help kids. He's trying to better his life. He's getting ready to get married. He's out there living on his own. He's a head coach. He's trying to open his own gym to help kids with his boss. He's trying to transform others. He's trying to transform himself. If this is not transformation, then what is, sir? Mm -hmm. The judge looked at me, looked at her, and thought about it and just said, Mr. Dam, please don't make me regret this and see you in court again. Mm -hmm. And that's when he signed off the paper. Because she used that one word mm. that always makes me think about. Because who knew she would use the word transformation. That's my Instagram name. Yeah. Transformation of life. And I was like, dude, Candace, you just reminded me everything that I have been doing and working and never really realize it. Mm. Because I'm so used to tunnel vision closing my eyes and don't see where I used to be and where I am now versus... Just go. Just keep going forward. Keep going. Keep going. And I become blindsided. And when she told me that, I felt so motivated. I'm like, dude, you're right. I'm kicking ass. What the hell am I telling myself every day? And that's when I told the guys, even when I was off for probation, I'm still struggling. Hmm. Because I continually have to reaffirm myself, you are a human being, Tony. So are all these students and everybody else in this world. We all have emotions. We all come from different backgrounds. And I see the, your brother, Sean, going struggle with this, and it breaks my heart. I was going to cry because I was like, dude, I was like, I wish I had family members that reached out to me. I wish I had family members that were trying to find ways of like, how can we understand you where we could help you? But nobody ever did reach out to me. It was just my mom. And it's hard for my mom to understand because she was born in Asia, coming to America. All she wanted was my son to be free with free education mm -hmm. and make something of himself. Right. And then I tell her, Mom, you don't have to worry no more. I'm out. Yeah. I'm out. I'm here. I'm doing great. My goal is come home one day where I can support you, where you may support me through that eight years in prison and growing up because I owe her everything. And the one thing that people don't understand is the reason why... I live my life the way it is, is like, because I never talk much about it in San Francisco because of religion, right? I, I'm a Christian, right? And in prison, I told myself, you see everybody coming to religion in prison, either they have to hide from something or it's because they don't want to be in the politics. Hmm. So a lot of people go behind religion. And I always told myself, I don't want to be that guy that leaves God behind and say, oh, I'm a Christian in prison, but when I'm out here, I fucking party however I want. Mm. So I always live my life to realign like, Tony, you change so much because God gave you strength. You change so much because everybody else gave you strength. All the doubts in the world, just like how you go into a barbell when I, I love weightlifting, so I always use that as a metaphor. It's always you against that barbell. That's you against the world. 
that's you against everybody that's speaking negative of you. If you are able to snatch that, fuck. Imagine what you could do with anything that's thrown at you. And it's a struggle. And we all struggle with that. I know you probably struggle with it. You struggle with it. 100%. And we're all always struggling with something. And I guess it's great to know when you have people on your side. Because when I'm heartbroken, I go to my wife. If she doesn't understand, I go to you. I go to Angel. I go to everybody because I just don't want... I told my mom was, I never want to go back behind that cell because I do not just like my 21st birthday see her through that glass door bringing me a piece of cupcake and say happy birthday that mm-hmm. always breaks my heart and I will always remember that and that's what keeps me going every day to see where I need to be now versus where I used to be mm-hmm. so that's what continually driven me to be empowered to be transformational life and it's always great when Angel always tell me, what are you doing today, Tony? Who are you transforming? What are you trying to do with your life? Mm-hmm. And it's good to hear it. It's good for people to challenge you. And a lot of us, we don't like to be uncomfortable. Fuck, I love it. Mm-hmm. Like, throw it. <laughs> yeah, dude. I'm inspired. Just sitting here listening to I'm inspired. A couple of things are coming up for me right now. One, this concept of transformation is important, meaning... We need to go beyond the technical, mm. right? It's not like, okay, you get out of prison and then you're going to get a job and then you're going to da 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 and ABC, one, two, it, that doesn't, that's clearly not solving the problem. No. People don't operate with a roadmap. It's uh, being able to adapt to the path that you're going to walk yeah. according to the roadmap and that concept of transformation. And one thing that was coming up for me really strong right now as you were speaking was that the work that you, John, are doing inside is the work that um, we, as a society, need to learn Mm. to some degree so we can be of assistance. Because if we, the people that live on this planet, everyone, if we don't have the ability to connect with every single human being at some level, whether it's you know um, supporting them physically, financially, emotionally, whatever it may be, or simply being able to give them the space and the room and the freedom yeah. that they need to develop, I don't think we're moving forward. I think we're just kind of spinning our wheels, yeah. and we're gonna have that you know same uh, st- statistics going against us. Yeah. And we're never going to arrive at a place where we can really level up. What are some tools that we should all have to maybe support people who are re-entering into the quote-unquote real world? Yeah. Um, I'm in no way an expert in any of this. Uh, Your experience is is more than mine. um, But I'd like to think... um, Respect, first and foremost. Respect for um, your neighbor, meaning all humans. Respect for a person um, you've never walked a day in their shoes. Um, and, and, and we're taught this stuff from when we were kids. The golden rule. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The golden rule. We're taught this stuff. Um, but then as you, as you become an adult and as you get older, um, you develop these biases and you develop these prejudices and you develop all these different thought patterns that cloud those things um, that make you um, 
have some sort of um, disrespect towards the next human being. Um, so I, I think first and foremost, we just need to respect all human beings. Um, patience. Patience mm-hmm. is key in all that we do. Um, and um, we had a we had an event the other day out in San Bruno at the county jail um, and not getting too deep into it. Um, but one of the things that I heard um, one of the speakers say um one, he called them students or clients. Um, but when he talked about the guys returning home, um, he didn't say ex-con. He didn't say felon. Um, he didn't say ex-incarcerated person. He said returning resident. He called these young men returning residents, um, meaning you're returning to society. You're returning home. You're returning to where you reside, where you've grown up, where you've called home for years. Um, and the guys were all like, what, what is that? And uh, one young man raised his hand and he said, I'm returning to where I resided for years. I'm returning home. And he was like, exactly. Um, and so he took off this label of ex-con, of felon, of um your behaviors yeah yeah parolee probationer he took off that label and he turned it around and the guys their their eyes lit up like damn this guy sees me just as a human being what i talked about earlier um he sees me as a human being um and not to get too political but we're 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 on this uh train of late changing labels right right now in society um, and, and having respect for people who identify as something else, don't, I, I don't identify and I'm, I'm not, I'm not a prisoner, but I, I don't identify as an ex felon, as an ex con. Mm-hmm. I identify as me. I'm home trying to get a job. Why do I need to carry around a card that says I'm an ex felon? Why do I need to be a probationer? Right. Um, it's the same thing in the work that I've done in the past where um, if you work with someone who has anorexia, you don't call that's the anorexic over there. Hmm. That's the bipolar person over there. You don't call that person. You, you don't say that. That's the cancer patient over there. But we've all done that to some degree because yeah. of culture. Yeah, because of culture. So we need to change that. Because uh, I'll give you an example of me. Um, when I grew up in Spain, mm. So we had a lot of immigrants coming from Morocco. They were running away from Morocco and coming into Spain. So as they were coming in, of course, they were put in positions where they were desperate. Mm. So they would, you know, uh, steal. Yeah. They would uh, come and, you know, steal your wallet. Or, you know, I was, I, I've been held up many times with a knife and mm. uh, my wallet has been stolen or any money or phone. And yeah. that's happened to me several times. And, um, they were known as like the Moors. Mm. So you would call them, oh man, a Moor is coming. Mm. Let's get out of the, cross the street, a Moor is coming. Yeah. That's kind of crazy when, yeah. when, when you think back at that. But it becomes part of the code that we speak within our culture. Yeah. And yes, the things are shifting yeah. now and we're trying to uh, figure out how do we speak in a way that is the most compassionate, yeah. inclusive way. And we're being met with a lot of resistance. Yeah. And as a white man, that I am, I know how ignorant I am. Mm. And I, I realize how ignorant 
I, I, I really was when I became a foster parent, for mm. example, to a young black girl. Yeah. And I mean, um, I, I struggle to even speak about it because I'm so scared of saying the wrong thing. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and just hearing you speak right now, it's like, this is the work that we need to do. Yeah. What are the words? What, what are the actions? How do we teach respect? Yeah. And I think that is transformation because yeah. if we can't respect others, if we can't respect ourselves, where are we going? Yeah. Like, what is this? Yeah. And that has to become the norm mm-hmm. instead of, uh, of these terms that knock people down and keep people in boxes. It has to become the norm um, where we respect people um, for who they are right. um, and we look at them for who they are. Um, and not what they experience and where they are and where they've been. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Respect. That's a big one. Yeah. That's beautiful. Yeah. How, how do we teach respect? What does that look like? How do you teach respect? Do you have any examples of anything that happens at work right now for you, John, where you realize, okay, what is causing this disruption or you to struggle right now Maybe. uh an inability to exercise respect. Do you have any examples of, of what that looks like and how you have maybe solved that? Um, every day, um, my style of dress is different than what guys inside normally wear, meaning, um, you know, you might see them wearing baggy pants and an extra large t-shirt when <laughs> yeah. they need uh, you know, slim pants and a medium sized T-shirt. And, and I choose, I opt for the medium uh, T-shirt, maybe extra medium if you <laughs> um, and, and, and the, um, the slim or uh, yep. skinny fit jeans. That, that's my style of dress. Right. Um, so I, I get jokes. I walk in the pod and I get jokes all day, every day. So they're busting your balls. Yeah, all day. Um, (laughs) and, um, and, and the way I, I get respect from those guys, um, I cap right back. I'm busting their, their balls right back. I'm cracking a joke with them right back. Um, because they want to see that I'm not going to back down, um, that I respect who I am and where I'm at and the man that I am. Right. I respect my clothes. I, I know what I want to wear and how I wear it. And they want to see that. Um, and so when I respect myself and I appreciate who I am and what I wear and what I look like um, and where I'm at and where I'm going, then that in turn shows them, hey, I can respect where I'm at, what I'm wearing, what I'm doing, who I am. It's mirroring. In psychology, it's called mirroring, right? Um, but that's what they see. And so then I teach them self-love, self-respect, self-esteem, everything. Um, and that's what I'm teaching them. I teach it not only through myself, but I teach it in the, the, the classes and the groups that I facilitate. I'm teaching them self-love, self-efficacy, uh, self-esteem. I'm teaching them everything to love their self first. And then, and respect themselves first, um, and then you can respect society and everyone will respect you as well. Um, and I think it starts with self-love. If you, if you start to love and respect yourself for where you are and, and who you are, you start to, um, um, as Tony talked about earlier, 
um, verbalize your emotions, mm-hmm. not just act on them, verbalize them and say what you need. Um, you start to garner the respect of other people and you start to respect the people who are out in front of you as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're, you're, you're modeling the behavior that uh, you know can become a foundation for success yeah, as they exit. Exactly. And you do that by what I heard was meeting them where they're at. Yep. If you're right now in joking mode, I'll joke with you. Yep. And then once we're done joking, yeah. okay, let's move on yeah. because we have work to do. Yeah. Right, you have needs to 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 get met, and yeah. I want to get you there. Yep. That's so powerful, yeah. man. Uh, Tony, have you struggled with self respect? I have, but what John like <clears throat> was touching on that made me really think is, um, I think is for everybody in this world because I was looking at this meme of it's I guess it's a meme where it was something that's really real that touched me was a lot of people like to change who they are, who they are around with. Mm. Um, the reason why I could attract people is because I like to be real with myself. Mm. Like I like to look who I was, who I am or what I am now and just see and pick apart like, dude, what's going on here? And okay, you're great here. And I'm very verbalized. If you ever come to my CrossFit class, I talk about the most outlandish shit. You do. <laughs> like you're pe- not no. You're not afraid to go there. <laughs> you know, people will look at me and go, "Is he serious or is he joking?" Nobody knows. Yeah. Right. But it's just me there. being yeah. <laughs> it's just me being real. Yeah. A lot of us before you can have self-love, self-respect, you have to be real with yourself. It's true. Mm-hmm. I look myself in the mirror every day and I look myself in the eyes and go, "Who are you?" Mm. I'm Tony Dam. What are you about? I'm about helping others and helping myself grow so we can educate people on how to be better and how to love yourself and how to love others. Okay, cool. Where are you from? Man, I'm from San Francisco right now, but I know I'm from L.A. Cool. Okay, let's move on. What do you do? Go Giants. (laughs) (laughs) Um, What do you do? I train athletes, but just more than that, I'm like their psychiatrists i listen to them i'm their therapist i'm their friends um you're not i'm not just training them i'm coaching them in life as they coach me back without noticing okay cool what are you about to do right now i'm about to fucking crush the day it's just me remind myself like who are you be real with yourself tony there's days tony you fucking suck mm-hmm. pick it up let's go and there's going to be days that's going to be great. There's going to be days that are bad. And I I really felt what you said, John. But to me, it's just to add on. It's like, man, be real with yourself. Yeah, you got to be raw, you yeah. know? And that's why I wanted to be real with all the students because I was like, dude, I'm not going to play games with you guys. I don't want to sell you guys a freaking beautiful story and have you buy it because you heard it all. Mm-hmm. Because like I told them, I'm a good, li- I'm a good liar, just like all of them. If I could sell Carl this pen right now for a million dollars, I'll fucking sell it to Carl. <laughs> and it's just worth five bucks at what? Um, Office Max, something like that. And it's just so awesome now that how I'm turning 31 to realize, like, fuck, I'm finally real with myself, you know? Mm-hmm. And people always think, it, like, my wife, who's 23, turning 23, no, 
is 23. No, turning 23. It's freaking out about like, well, where am I at? Blah, blah, blah. I'm like, dude, I'm freaking 30, turning 31. I just figured it out like two years ago, slowly figuring it out. If you think you're going to figure it out right now, dude, you got something wrong because you're going to be living a lie. Mm. And I told her, just be real with yourself. Like, find out who you are. She doesn't know. She came to Carl as a therapist and she's still trying to figure out. It's a process. And it's a beautiful process when you finally figure who you are. Mm-hmm. And when you do, yeah, you'll respect yourself. Yeah, you start loving yourself. And then, yeah, it'll overflow and you start doing to everybody else and it'll attract other people to you and whatever it is that's coming to you and it's a process that we're all going through yeah. every day yeah you know what visual i was just getting right now have you guys ever been to a theme park where you walk into these uh rooms that have like the crazy distorted mirrors yeah yeah, yeah. so one of the things that you said that you do in therapy is mirroring yeah like you're simply reflecting back whatever it is that they're presenting to yeah. you us as a society right now we are reflecting a distorted image mm. back on uh the students yeah. the 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 residents who are returning yeah uh, we're distorted as mirrors and we need to become more clear yeah. and uh, help these people yeah. see themselves. And as a foster parent, for me, that, that's been my uh, biggest lesson yeah. is that I'm just a, a role model. Mm. So I better check myself yeah. because my daughter sees everything that I do uh, she hears everything I say, yeah. and she mimics that. Yeah. Blows your mind, huh? You're her biggest <laughs> hero, and you don't even know it. No. She's my biggest hero. Yeah. 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 Yeah, man. So, to to kind of bring this to a close, it, like for you, John, mm-hmm. what is something you want your students to know that if they ever listen to this or uh, if, you know, you, you, you get to the end of your life at 110, what are you telling them? What, what do you leave them with? Man, I mean, that list goes on and on. Um, self-love, self-respect, self-worth. Um, If you, as a human being, can tell yourself tell yourself what you're worth, no one can tell you different. Hmm. Um, if you know your value, if you know your story, where you've been, where you're at, and where you're trying to go, no one can tell you different. Fuck everyone else. Mm-hmm-hmm. Fuck them all. Um, and I think one of, one of the things that I, that I tell the guys, um, almost after every class, um, and right now in, in the facility right now, I'm teaching a, uh, building resilience slash exploring trauma class. Um, so we, we get into some heavy topics. We get into some heavy, heavy, heavy things, um, and uh, I, I'm not going to, you know, say any of the guys that we work with, um, but these are some some hard guys. These are some some guys um, who have seen some days. And um, 
I've seen tears from these guys. I've seen tears and, um, and just straight sadness. Um, and I've heard it. Um, but one of the things that I tell these guys is, um, don't count the days, make the days count. Hmm. And, and you can take that, you know, as a listener, you can take that however you want. Carpe diem, um, seize the day, um, however you want. But don't count the days, make the days count. Um, and it, it's as little as um, affirmations, um, str- you know, strengthening affirmations. It's as little as physical health. It's as little as mental health, meditation, whatever it is. But don't count the days, make the days count. Um, and that goes for them inside and that goes for us out here in society as well. Um, make the days count because no one knows, man. No one knows. Days are limited. Um, I think that's the most important thing. That's awesome. That's awesome. That That is really powerful. Holy shit. Yeah, holy <laughs> shit. Tony, what you got? What do you want? What do you want? Um people who are about to embark on the same path that you have been going down for the last five, six years, what is something you would like for them to know, to have with them in their back pocket when shit gets hard? Dude, John, honestly, you know, I, I got a compliment. A compliment. <laughs> Give me, dude, that, that really hit home. I never really, like, processed and really thought about that, like, counting the days down versus make the days count mm-hmm. and mine is when anyone ever just comes out dude i have a really close friend that that went through something crazy and he thinks life's supposed to get easier and easier man life gets harder mm-hmm. and when life does get harder that's when you push harder and every day i'm reminding myself like what am i doing why what is the intention versus just living my life and doing whatever it is just moving through the motion, I ask myself, what is your intention? Why do you want to help others? Why do you want to help yourself? Why do you want to work? And remind myself, like, the intention is to grow, mm-hmm. to grow society, to educate society. Because I, in, you see, today's going to be April soon. In four months, I'm, I'm being asked to speak to district attorneys, lawyers, judges around the world. Wow. To give them... Um, like, why did reentry court work for me? Wow, that's dope. And so it's mm-hmm. in front of a panel, like in front of all these powerful people. And the only reason why it works for me is because I believe in myself. Yeah. While other people do believe in me, mm-hmm. if I don't believe in myself, it doesn't matter. Until we could believe in ourselves, like, dude, you could do this. It's, everybody knows my goal in the gym is to make to nationals fuck if i don't make it at least i know i give it my very best and that i believe in myself Mm -hmm. and our struggle in society is we don't believe in ourselves we tell we we tell others that we believe in them how are you going to believe someone else but you can't even believe in yourself first you know so carl so i always live in my back pocket number one thing is the day when i saw carl and i broke down i cried because i fell my level one and he always told my, he always reminded me what were my strengths. And I gave it to him. And he always reminded me, this is why you're good at it. Every day, I always replay that visualization of being vulnerable in front of Carl. 
and being real with myself because I have the same athlete in there that comes in day day in, day out. She's taking this test. She failed it three times. I told her, you know what? You know who Carl is? She's like, yeah, I do. He made the CrossFit test and he fucking failed. <laughs> that is true. I wrote, I wrote the test. I was part of the writing group and I was the only one that failed it. You know? And he fucking failed. I failed the test. She's like, you, Tony? I'm like, yeah. And I read the book six times, word for word, and I memorized every single page and I still failed. Fuck, how is that possible? I was like, because I came in there unsure of myself. I didn't mm. believe in myself. The next time I spoke to Carl and he gave me advice, you know what I did? I fucking believe in myself. Mm. I studied this shit. I could do it. I could be a greatest coach if I really wanted to. And guess what, Gabby? I passed. You could pass your test and you fucking believe in yourself. You know the subject? She's like, yes. Then fucking destroy it. Mm. She's like, oh my God, Tony, you just gave me so much. Oh, I know I got this. And she's taking her test soon. The day that I empowered her to believe in herself, damn, you could do anything. Yeah. It's like, John, you went to school. You believe in yourself because yeah. you saw your brother. Carl, look where you're at. You believe in yourself even when you hit the toughest thing in the world, hit a brick, went broke. But you still believe in yourself, like, dude, you're like, I can make a difference. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just like your freestyle connection, everybody in that group book chat, um, Facebook chat, dude, I'm empowered by them. Do you believe in themselves just to move better? Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter if it's fitness, work, life, just believe in yourself, whatever it is that you're committing to. And that's why I carry in my pocket. I believe in myself to make a change in the world. If I don't, shit, at least I know I gave it my best. If it's one person, Hallelujah. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter because I knew I believe in myself to mm-hmm. give it to others. Wow. Wow. That's awesome. Right what can people do to support you guys? Um, so uh, if you're interested in supporting us at Five Keys, uh, check us out online, uh, fivekeys.org. Uh, we do have a donate tab there. Um, we do do other things out in the community. So right now, um, Five Keys, we have two buses. Um, so originally just a quick background, five keys was started as a a charter school program with the sheriff's department to help folks who are incarcerated, uh, earn their high school diploma and our GED. Um, so that's how we got started. Um, but so right now we have two community buses that roll around the Bay area, um, two communities where folks can get on, read books, Get on laptops and do research. Can, can I volunteer? You can volunteer and get on the Beautiful. bus and be I'm coming. be a uh, a teacher, a counselor, a support person. So you can volunteer. You can get on that bus, or if you want to donate uh, a cash, if you want to donate um, a couch, if you want to donate a bed to folks, wow, um, you okay. can do that as well through our website. You can find us on um, online. Like I said, you can find us on Facebook, Five Keys, uh, Instagram as well, Five Keys. Um, I don't know if we have a Twitter page, but I don't have Twitter. Um, I never got into Twitter, <laughs> um, but, uh, uh, you can find us online and you can donate almost anything you want because we have these community sites. Um, we don't only do work in custody. Um, five keys, uh, we're in every County in Northern California, uh, except Contra Costa County. Um, and we just got into Santa Clara County, meaning we're working in the in the facilities in the jails, um, and then we're in Los Angeles County, San Bernardino, uh, San Diego. Um, so if you're if you're anywhere in those counties, you can support by donating cash, time, um, or objects, items that um, 
you're just going to toss on the street. You can give them to one of our community sites. Um, and I guarantee you the students that we work with would be very appreciative. That's awesome. And, and I mean, just having known you now for a little bit and, and having this conversation and the opportunity to come out and work with you and, and to see what you're doing, I encourage people to donate because the fact that you are going to be uh, supported and continuing to do the work that you're doing – Go go do that yeah. now. Yeah. Uh, so fivekeys.org. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Tony, how can people support you and your 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 ventures as a coach, as a weightlifter, and everything that you're working on? Honestly, if you're listening right now, I want you to go back to season one, share with all your friends, let them know I'm a human being, support me by letting my voice be heard, and then sharing this to see the aftermath of how can we educate our population of what's going on? Mm. The number one thing that's being built more and more is what? Prison, mm-hmm. jails. Look at those kids in uh, Mexico. They're in jail, mm. right? And everybody always, their answer is what? Oh, you fuck up, put them in jail. Mm. Oh, those kids over there, oh, they're trying to cross the border, put them in jail. And we word it detention center mm-hmm. versus jails. Yeah. But honestly, it's jails. Yeah. So spread the word. I don't. I don't want donation. I want you to donate to Five Keys for sure. Um, help them out because I'm gonna help them out in any way I can now for sure. Um, just just spread my words. You know, let mm-hmm. them know. Let, let let us be heard. Help these kids because those students in there. We we want to let their voice be heard. We yeah. want to be yeah. able to have them pass and let us put a podcast in there so you guys could hear their yeah. voice it's just not yeah. me but to see where they're coming from yeah and that's what i that's only support i really want let these people be heard yeah wow thank you guys i learned a ton and i hope everyone who's listening felt like they they got something out of it i feel like this conversation is so valuable and i don't i don't think we're done this is just the oh, beginning no. yeah oh yeah and I, I look forward to catching up with you guys again and the fact that you guys were willing to you know share your time your knowledge experience means a ton to me and i know that everyone who's listening right now if you listen this far um, you know what's up. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, Thanks yeah. for having me, Carl. Yeah, thank, thank you, you, guys. Thank you. All right, we did it. Boom. <laughs> and there you have it, my friends, another episode of the Freestyle Way podcast. And this one was a deep one. I'm inspired. I'm inspired by John. I'm inspired by Tony, by the work that they're doing, the people that they are supporting the information they're willing to share with us. And after our conversation, I felt a little lighter. I felt like I found some resolve. And I intend to support them, both of them, in any way I can. And maybe even go out and volunteer for Five Keys someday and get closer to the people that he's working with. It was inspiring to be at County Jail It was inspiring to learn more about Five Keys. It's been inspiring to develop a deep friendship with Tony over the years. And I'm just so excited and thankful I get to share this with you guys. Now, as always, if you enjoyed this, make sure to connect with all of us on social media any way you can. 
on Instagram. You can find John at J underscore Marms, spelled M-A-R-M-Z. And then Tony Dam at transformation underscore of underscore life 714. And uh, tag us if you take a screenshot of yourself listening to the podcast and connect with us. Ask us some questions. I'm sure John and Tony would love to hear what you thought about the episode. And um, yeah, thanks again for listening. This was a special one for me, and I hope you guys could feel that. That's it. That's uh, the end of this episode, and I look forward to more, more of these. These these are the ones that I'm craving, and uh, I can't wait for more of these conversations. So, for now, I'm going to let you guys go. I hope you guys are having a good one, whether you're on a run right now or on a plane somewhere, wherever you are. I hope you're living. I hope you're enjoying it. And I look forward to seeing you next week. Seeing you meaning having you here, listening to the podcast. Peace, my friends.